This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. Hey, welcome to Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell, and tonight we have a new guest on the show named Chase Findell. Chase is a church planter out in Vista, California. He and I started at a church called Daybreak Church back when I moved to San Diego back in 2013. And he was a middle school pastor while I was a high school pastor, but man, we did a lot of fun things together, crazy stuff together, while we both ended our time in youth ministry together. We were both there for about five years or so, but Chase went on to plant a church called Anthem Church and is doing great things in California. He could probably share a lot of dirt about me as well, so hopefully he won't share too many crazy stories while we were on the air together. It's my privilege and honor to introduce to you Chase Findell. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I miss hanging with you, but uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll have to deal with uh, just to hang out over this call. Hanging out over the radio station. We're hanging out over radio waves. It's all good. So you, I just mentioned, Chase, you're a lead pastor of a church called Anthem in Vista. Give us kind of an idea as far as what's going on in Anthem Church out in Vista, California. Vista is in San Diego County, uh, not too far f- from where Matt and I work together as youth pastors in Carlsbad, California. And uh we planted a church two years ago. And so we're two and a half years in and came off of the church that Matt and I worked at and took about 100 people with us. And um, yeah, now we're about 300 to 350 people. And we've gotten to see tons of people come to faith, uh, connect in groups, serve our city well. And so we're excited about what God's doing, but also feel like really the best is, is ahead of us. And so we're excited about that. So Chase, you just mentioned a lot of things that we could dig more into, but let me let me start with uh, for the people that are perhaps interested in ministry or maybe perhaps younger pastors that might be listening right now. You said you started off with a hundred people, and we're talking about two years or so. Is that right? Two years ago, you planted ish. Yeah, and and that's that's kids included in that in that number. Uh, maybe a little bit north of that. Um, but yeah. About 100. But to go from a, from in two years to go from 100 to 300 to 350 or so is really, I mean, explosive growth. So so what would you attribute to such fast growth? Well, there, there's other other pastors that I that I know and that, you know, that started a church with 100. And then, you know, five years later, they're at 150 and 10 years later, they're at 200 or so. So what would you say is is uh, is creating the growth going from 100 to 300 percent growth? I mean, most churches, again, would be thankful for 10% annual year-over-year growth, and you're at 100% year-over-year growth. Uh, what are you doing to increase your growth of, of Anthem Church? Yeah, good question. Two things I would attribute it to. Um, number one is healthy culture, and number two is clear vision. And healthy culture really comes more from where we came from. Um, and so, you know, I, I can get into this a little bit later, but... I had you're talking a, about you're talking about the old church you used to work at, right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Daybreak okay. Church help just a healthy culture, and and they helped really heal a lot of a lot of things in me. And so we planted Anthem with some leaders that understood um, what volunteering meant, what giving meant, um, what taking ownership meant. And so we did do some training, and we did do some uh, prepping, equipping. Uh, but a lot of that came with a healthy culture. And so when you've got a hundred healthy people, man, I, I feel like you can accomplish just about anything. And so that's number one. And then number two is clear vision. I think, you know, anytime you plant a church, right? One of the challenges was we felt distinct in terms of our vision from Daybreak. And yet also we loved what Daybreak, Daybreak was about. And so there was a tension there. Um, 
And we felt like we were called specifically to Vista, which was a little bit different town, had a different makeup, different economic status. And so, um, but we were able to clarify that over time to create both distinction and yet also honor our sending church. And so with that, um, people came on board, excited about where God was leading them and they saw their role. I think one of the really encouraging things about church planning and I tell people this all the time is it's one of the greatest discipleship tools because somebody that was sitting on the outskirts of a larger church is now um, pushed to the forefront of leadership. And they realize that their role in the story of the church is so vital to growing and uh, ultimately reaching and accomplishing the mission. When more hands have to be on deck to help a, a, a smaller church or a church plant get off the ground, everybody's role is more important. Like you're saying, if, if people had a back seat and they're just observing the rest of the church, but then they go and help and plant a church. Now it's like, well, it's much more obvious that you're not participating and you're not doing something to help the vision. Uh, and, and as you said, Chase, the, the healthy culture. So I want to dig in a little bit more about the healthy culture and the clear vision in just a minute. But you mentioned something a second ago that you had healing from the past. And so now, I mean, obviously, you've thought about leadership and how to lead your teams and lead your staff and lead your people to the fact where, I mean, you've got you know, two things that you whipped out real quick of healthy culture and a clear vision. So obviously, you care about leadership and you care about leading well. So let me let me go back to the kind of the overall theory of leadership for a second. What does leadership mean to you? Why is leadership important to you? The basic definition of leadership is people follow you. And I think in the Christian space, the best leaders understand how to follow Jesus well. And so you've got to be a good follower um, spiritually of the of the master leader, which is Jesus. And then I think from there, you have to have the ability to lead people. And uh, it's Paul in his confidence saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And so there's there's a confidence in there, but it's it comes from a healthy place, not an egotistical one. And so there's a there's definitely a tension there because I think um, at times I, I lead from ego and that usually leads to an insecure type of leadership. And when I lead from the spirit, it's most well-rounded. It's when it has the other person in mind and it's when it has the overall mission of the church above my own personal preference. I love what you said about follow me as I follow Christ, because even as you're talking about some of the deficiencies and, and when you lead from your ego, obviously that's not how Christ led. So just to be a leader who's following after Christ doesn't mean perfection. It means that you're, you have a, a role model. You have, you're following after Jesus, but we stumble, we fall, we mess up, we make mistakes as we go. Uh, in fact, I want to dig in a, a little bit more uh, into that in just a second. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Chase Vendell from Anthem Church. We'll be right back with Leader Word Paul. All right, welcome back to Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell, and we are hanging out with Chase Vendell. Chase is the lead pastor of a church out in California. He and I used to work at the same church out in Carlsbad, California, before I moved back over into New Mexico. And uh, both he and I are hanging out with uh, with new churches and new adventures and new callings as far as where God's leading us. And so it's kind of cool to connect. And again, Chase, we appreciate having you. Just before the break, we were talking about uh, the how, how it's possible that even a Christ follower or a pastor like you can make mistakes. You, you had mentioned that sometimes you lead from an ego. So talk a little bit about when we lead and we're a bad example or when we're leading with an ego or we're leading from pride, how is that detrimental to leading your staff, your community, volunteers? How is that detrimental from what you're trying to do? 
I think I've been on both sides of this. Both I've been led by people who led from ego and I've led from ego. And I think that it's difficult, right? Because part of what makes us good leaders is confidence, is um, is a personality trait that makes people want to follow you. There's an edge, there's a chip, there's a, whatever you want to call it. It's a difficult thing to manage because the same thing that makes us great is the thing that will take us down. A dependence on God is so key. And there's so many cliches that come with it, but they're cliches because they're true. And so I'll talk specifically about leading from ego for me because I've done it a ton. But I I think that number one, you have to have the right accountability around you. Uh, People that can have a no holds bar conversation with you, you know, whether that's your elder board or your team, or even in some cases, if you have a, a staff member that you trust as a brother or sister in Christ that has that voice in your life people outside the organization that can check you if you're married, your spouse. Um, so that's number one. I think I think number two, to ask yourself, why am I mad? Like if, if you're offended by something or upset, why? If you have the self-awareness to be able to ask yourself really tough why questions and answer that appropriately or honestly, um, and then take that prayerfully to the Lord and process that that way, I think that helps you make clearer and better decisions for the organization. Um, because there are times when, as leaders, we're hurt personally, even though professionally it doesn't warrant a response. And so I've done things that, whether it's in an insecurity or whether it's a personal preference or whether, you know, there's a bias of some sort because of something that's happened relationally in the past and really filtering through those things with the Lord and if necessary, outside counsel. I'm the leader of the organization. God has entrusted me to manage this well. This isn't about me. It's never been about me. This organization, if it's great, will survive me. And um, all of those types of thoughts are helpful in terms of how you approach the individual problem and make sure that you're not leading out of ego or insecurity. Earlier, you said you've got to have accountability, people that are trusted voices, whether it's a confidant, whether it's a coworker, a member of the board, family member, spouse, whatever. But you said you kind of described it as a double-edged sword. You don't want to lead from ego, yet at the same time, you've got a, a confidence, a confidence in God-given talents and abilities. So it sounds from what you're describing as though there's got to be a balance where you're not leading from pride and ego, yet one of the most attractive things for a persuasive communicator or pastor or leader is their confidence. So how have you found the balance of leading out of confidence, but not allowing that to tip over this tip the scales to turn into pride or arrogance or ego that you're leading from? You can be sure and humble. And I think that those are the key things is, is am I sure of what I'm leading people to? And am I humble enough to realize that God could do it without me? And yet he chose to leverage my life, my personality, my gifting, my experience. And so when, when you come to that place where you humbly accept the reality that he can do it without you, but also are sure of the fact that God has put you in this place for a reason. I think that's the, that's the balance you want to strike. I, I really do think it comes back to your individual relationship with the Lord. I mean, I think about the heroes of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, and there is a connection to God. And you think about how many times Moses went back to God, right? It says, and then the Lord said to Moses, it's, it's hundreds of times. It's a, it's a step-by-step leading with Moses and God. And yet Moses is attributed some of the greatest feats of God's people 
in the scriptures. And so you think about Paul and his, his moment with God, but also his moments with God and his reliance. And yet he, he speaks with such boldness and courage. And so it's a both and. And if you can strike that balance as a leader, that you are sure of where God's leading, and yet you are humble enough to realize that if the organization you are leading is going to be great, it's going to survive you. And um, I think for me, that's the balance I'm, I'm looking for. And especially as a young leader, I miss on that sometimes for sure. But that's part of the grace of God, the mercy of God. And just to live as a leader, I think your team needs to hear you say at times, hey, guys, I'm sorry for how I responded in this way or that way. I mean, I'm leading my family at home. And one of my biggest principles with my kids is they hear me say sorry all the time. And I think some leaders don't believe that this is the case, but I believe that that should be true of your staff too. If you are human and you are leading, you're going to make mistakes. And um, I think part of leading a church community is the ability to come to the place where you humble yourself in front of your team and you'll, you'll tell them when you make a mistake. It's repentance, it's confession. And uh, though you're leading your team and you have a position, you also are still a body. Yeah, you know, I, I know there's people listening right now that are, are never going to be leaders in a church in the sense, you know, never in your position, my position of being pastors. Perhaps they volunteer in a church. Perhaps they lead an organization. Maybe they own a company. Maybe they're a leader of a sports team. Maybe they lead in their school. Uh, who knows what types of leadership roles people have. So maybe not everybody can can relate to leading a staff or leading a church or knowing what it's like to be a pastor. Yet some of the things you're talking about, Chase of humility and leadership are applicable across the board, regardless of the type of position. So what you're saying is, you know, it's, it's even leading a family, right? Leading because you, you've got kids and to be able to take ownership and tell your kids, look, here's how I screwed up. And will you forgive me for what I've done? And saying that to your kids, you're, you're exactly right with what you said earlier, Chase. You know, sometimes people don't want to admit error and they don't want to show weakness because I've screwed up and, and therefore I'm not going to apologize and I'm not going to take ownership. Yet at the same time, you're leading. When, when you take ownership and ask for forgiveness and you own whatever you've done wrong, you're leading by example, by showing and demonstrating, here's what you do when you screw up. Here's what you do when you have done wrong. Follow my lead because I'm human. I make mistakes. You know, Romans 3.23, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that, that being said, Chase, uh, knowing that you're not perfect, and you, we've talked about that in the, before the break of... Uh, sometimes leading with uh, with an ego. Can you think of any situation that either you failed in your leadership and something you had to own and go kind of between, you know, the tail between your legs and go out and ask for forgiveness and say, look, I screwed up and I shouldn't have done this and I, I led wrong. Is there any way that you can think of in, that where you are a poor example as a leader? More times than I can count. And um, I'll think, I can think of two examples. One is we, we're planning a church in 2021 and... Um, it includes money and people and sharing resources and sharing leadership. And I had led with a closed fist, meaning intellectually, I believe that planning a church for the kingdom was the right thing. But practically, I wrestled with what that meant. I had to give up. So the first couple of months, there was a lot of hard conversations. And some of them were I was completely right to have. And some of them, I had the right conversations in the wrong way. Some of them were the wrong conversations in the right way. But I had to come to the place where I, I was praying that God would allow my intellectual belief of a kingdom-minded church and the practical reality of that to become in partnership together. But that took a lot of I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I responded. I'm sorry for when I said this specifically. I'm sorry for how that came off. Um, so that's one. And then number two is my board 
to a leadership team, they challenged me on some things specifically in regards to our move from a temporary campus, the school to a permanent campus. There was a couple times where, where I lost my cool and I had put a lot of time and effort into things. And I led from a sense of entitlement instead of a sense of appreciating their counsel, even if it meant more work and time. And, um, and I had to call the individual specifically that I lost it on and I had to apologize. And then I had to, in front of the board, acknowledge that I apologized to him because I, I felt that it was important that they knew that that was dishonoring and that was not something that we wanted to create a culture of here. Well, I think that requires humility. And that's what we were talking about a few moments ago. In order to be a, a confident, good leader, there's got to be a balance of humility. And part of humility is recognizing when you've done something wrong and not just recognizing it and admitting it to yourself, but even saying it out loud and going to that person and for your case, going to the board and saying, hey, look, I want you to be aware that this is what I said to the sort of other board members. So they're seeing that humility as well. In fact, we're gonna talk a little bit about, more about that. We gotta take another break and we'll be right back with Chase Findell in a minute. This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. All right, welcome back to Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell, and you're listening to Leader Worth Following. We're here every Sunday night, and tonight we've got my buddy from California, Chase Findell. He's a lead pastor of a church called Anthem Church. Chase, what's the website where people can go and check out uh, Anthem Church? Yeah, thanks for the plug opportunity. MyAnthemChurch.com is our website name, and yeah, if you want to check out what we're doing and what God's doing, I'd love for you to, to see that. And you're also on social media. How, how can people find you? Yeah, follow... Um, at Chase Findell. Um, Findell is F-E-I-N-D-E-L. I before E, except in my name, baby. <laughs> We've known each other for years. And for some reason, that's the first time I've ever heard you say that. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So uh, in, the, in the first couple of segments that we had in this episode, we were talking about kind of your story, you, you planting a church, you started off with 100 people, it grew to 300, 350, you have explosive growth. And one of the things that you first said, I asked you in the first segment, and I, I said, what has led to that explosive growth? And, and you said, there's two things. You said healthy culture and clear vision. So let's dive into that a little bit more as we talk about what good leadership, Christ-like godly leadership looks like. Talk a little bit about those two things. How do you create a healthy culture and how do you create a clear vision? So you can't create a healthy culture if you're not a healthy person. And I think that things that have happened to a lot of different people that need healing, that need hope, that need long-term counseling in some situations... And I, th I think you've got to give yourself permission to, to get healthy. Maybe you're not in a position where you can walk away from your current job or a place that you hold in the organization, but why not do it while you're in that position? So if you sense that you have some things in your life that are unhealthy, take care of that. And I mean, Matt, you and I have seen so many people go down, right? And they didn't address something in their life, whether it's their childhood or a past experience uh, with church or work, um, and they never dealt with it. They never fully processed it and healed from it. And then they jumped right back in and they end up doing to somebody else what was done to them, or they end up, you know, it, it comes out in a, in a different way, shape or form. So I think the first key to a healthy organization is a healthy leader. And, and so that's number one. It doesn't mean that you don't have 
things in your life that that you want to correct. But I'm talking about the big, ugly, hairy things that you know are there and yet you're scared to deal with. Uh, the other half of what I was asking earlier is a clear vision. So I want to get to that in a second. But before we move on from the healthy culture, I think what you said a second ago is an epiphany to many people. A healthy culture requires you to be a healthy person. And you, you talked to briefly about it of if you get the sense that you have unhealthiness to address those things, how do you f- get that sense? I mean, is it just a matter of, okay, one day I wake up, I'm like, huh, I must not be healthy. Is there a way to identify that I got some blind spots? I mean, it kind of is contradictory to the term of blind spot right. if I'm not yep. able to see it. So how do you identify if I'm not healthy myself? And I think the answer to the question whether or not you have blind spots is yes. You have blind spots and people know them. They maybe even talk about them. And if you're willing to ask the question, you you could find them out. I I had a a group of three guys and they were on my leadership team as a youth pastor. They were high-level leaders. They were volunteers, but they were high-level leaders and very good friends. And we went through an exercise that has shaped a lot of how I approach feedback. And we sat around a couch and we said, hey, you get to say three things everybody is saying about Chase, but he doesn't know it. And I wasn't allowed to respond. And then I got to do that to them as well. And I'll tell you, Matt, I left that (laughs) that night so angry on the whole drive home, justifying every example they gave. And I'm sure they did the same thing. Um, But what came out of that was... Over the next months, I was able to start to see because my eyes were open, because I had heard out loud, I began to see exactly what they were talking about. I think it takes permission, ridiculous permission from people around you. And they have to be trusted. They have to have no agenda other than the good of you and the good of the organization. And so that's really, really important because people will... I've also had people leverage these conversations to beat me up mm. and, and basically you know, position themselves as a result of that. And so th- that's really important. Who can tell you about your blind spots? And that's the irony of what you're talking about, Chase, is that you're, you're talking about, you know, healthy cultures are, are developed by healthy people. But if you're getting insight from somebody who's not a healthy person, it's a concept of hurt people hurt people. So yep. even though you're trying to create a healthy culture by being healthy, if you get the wrong voice that might be destructive or caustic because they're not healthy, they might use that as the opportunity to burn you or to hurt you. And it's like, gosh, that's the exact opposite of what I'm trying to establish. I want to create a healthy culture by having other healthy people. So if you want to get healthy, it sounds from what you're saying, Chase, like get healthy people around you and and allow those healthy voices to speak truth to you and don't be resistant. I, I can think of many times too, Chase, of sitting in conversations and hearing constructive criticism directed towards me and all the thoughts of excuses and justifications as far as why I disagree or this thought or that thought in response to that. But it's like, I'm having to remind myself, just shut up, Matt, just shut up. Listen and take it in because these people care for you and they love you. And maybe they don't see everything with the same perspective and the same vision that you do, but they're trying to help. So just take it, whether you agree with it or not, just listen and observe. We developed a really strong friendship. And so the strength of our relationship was stronger than the content of critique. And when that's true, man, powerful moments can happen. Yeah, I I can think of several conversations because you talked about earlier, again, probably 25 minutes ago in this conversation of of when you arrived at at Daybreak Church in Carlsbad, you you went through a season of healing, yet at the same time, so did I. So both of us came into a a new situation that was, gosh, what, 2013? (laughs) Is that right? August 2013? 
Uh, so, so we both came in literally within a 24 hour window of each other. I think you beat me by a couple minutes or so. Um, <laughs> but, but we come in in the same place at the same time with a very similar background and similar wounds from previous leadership. And so there's many times that I recall I came out of a meeting and I was like a wounded puppy and I was like, man, this was said and this was said and this was said. And it, 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 re- it reminds me of negative experiences. It's almost like PTSD that I've had in the past. And and you were the one to talk me off the ledge and be like, you know what, just because you've experienced poor leadership in the past doesn't mean you're experiencing poor leadership now. It just, some things sound similar. I remember same things, same thing on uh, reciprocated. There's times you would come out of a meeting and be like, Chase, you know, this, this is the same exact situation. We don't have to revert back to the PTSD based on poor leadership. Uh, all right, so we don't have a ton more time, but uh, talk a little bit about the the clear vision. You said again earlier in the conversation two things that you attribute to explosive growth in Anthem Church. Number one, healthy culture. Number two, clear vision. Talk a little bit more more about clear vision and how to have that, how to share that. There's some tensions in clear vision. I've seen guys die on hills that didn't matter, uh, but I've also seen guys that um, and girls give away stuff that does matter and allow too many voices or too many detours from the vision. And so there's a tension there. So you you as a leader, um, especially if you have a direct calling from God, you've got to clarify what are the non-negotiables. And so if you're a church leader, Matthew 28, right? Non-negotiable in every aspect that comes with it. If you're an organizational leader, what are the non-negotiables for you? What's the part of culture? What are the values? What are the things that, man, no matter what, no matter where we go, how big we get, what are the things that we will not give up, that we will die on a hill for? Because they radically shift who we are if we give these away. And you have to have a list of things that say, this is who we are now, or this is who we are with me as the leader, or this is who we are at this season of the organization. But the truth is, we're not going to die on these things because as we grow, as things change, as things shift, these realities may be part of that. So that could be a philosophy of ministry. That could be a philosophy of leadership. In some cases, it's values. In many cases, it's vision because what God had gave you a vision for in five years, he may change five years into it. And so, and I think this is an individual conversation for the individual leader between them and the Lord. What will you die on a hill for and what, and you need to identify this, and what is as you grow or move or shape or maybe even hire somebody or give ownership away, what are you allowed? What is allowed in terms of the personality shift? So to put you on the spot, Chase, you're talking about what what you would die for. What's an example of something that you would be willing to, what, to die for? You know, what, what's non-negotiable for you? Authenticity. We will never be the church that is dishonest or misleading I talk about my struggles from stage. You know, of course, there are some there's some boundaries on this, but authenticity is one we'll die for. We're a missions-led church, meaning we're active in the community. We expect that that our leaders are active in the community and have the personal life that serves and loves and gives. And so those are those are non-negotiable. Um, some things that could shift is right now we're mobile, and uh, even I'll give you a leadership example. My board the first year, they had to be leading some sort of ministry. That was year one. Year two, I lifted that because the season of ministry had changed. And now we were starting to put staff members and other volunteers in positions. And so they weren't required. They could give counsel and not just lead a ministry. But in year one, as a church planner, I couldn't have a board member not lead a ministry. That's just one subtle example where that was a big deal year one. Year two, it wasn't. 
some things as you go as a leader, as you grow, as you develop, and as the organization grows and develops, some of the non-negotiables might change along the way based on whatever the needs are. Exactly. All right. So uh, we've got to wrap up. But if you were to give your secret sauce, so to speak, of what works well with leadership, what's perhaps one or two things that if somebody's starting in their leadership and trying to figure out, okay, I want to become a good leader. I want to become a leader worth following. I want to be Christ-like. I don't want to be toxic. I don't want to be a prideful, arrogant, egotistical leader. If you were to give them advice and you were sitting down and having coffee with somebody right now and, and share a couple nuggets of your wisdom based on your experience, what you've learned, what you've read, whatever works best for you, what would you share with them as a starting point to really focus on, on quality leadership? I honestly, when I get asked questions, I usually have kind of go-to answers. But as we were asking this, I felt really powerful, really clearly, God say this. I think that you have to ask yourself the question, how honest am I with God? And how, how honest am I with other people around me? I know this sounds confusing, but here's where I'm going with this. If you read the Psalms, you see a ridiculously honest human expressing where he really is at with God. There's no buttoning up. There's no uh, assumptions. It's just, God, I need your help. And at times, where are you? At times, I love you. At times, be near to me. And then there's also, as you read the gospels with the disciples, there's really honest interactions with them. And so I would, if I was to sit down with a young leader right now and he was having coffee with me and he said, how do I stay humble? How do I not lead from ego? I would say in your relationship with God, how honest are you with him and in your relationship with people around you? And only you can answer that because I think we lie to ourselves. I think we lie to God. I think we lie to each other. And I think a lot of it is just subconscious and we don't even mean to, but I think when we live to impress other people, when we live to create an identity from a position, all of those things come from just not being honest with God, ourselves, and other people. And if we're going to follow the greatest commandment, love requires truth. And those two things are partners in moving forward. And so that, that would be my advice is to evaluate your prayer life, your friend life, and your personal life and ask the question, am I really honest? That kind of ties back to what you've been saying through this whole discussion of authenticity, honesty, of being authentic with yourself, being authentic with God. Because as you were talking, it reminds me of Adam and Eve in the garden. And, you know, after they had sinned, they're hiding from God and they're not being authentic. They're not being honest with God. They're trying to be somebody that they're not. But it's like, why? Why are you hiding? You think God doesn't know what you've done? You think God doesn't know who you are? You think God doesn't know your thoughts? So why not be like David in Psalms? Why not be truthful and honest and vulnerable with God? Because he knows already. Let's just call it for what it is. Here's my deficiencies. Here's what my thoughts are. It kind of reminds me of Job. He was he was pretty honest with God too in the book of Job where he was just frustrated and angry. Uh, so I, I think there's perhaps right now, Chase, people that are listening to the show, I'm guessing are challenged because they know they haven't been honest with themselves, with God. And perhaps that's their starting point. Perhaps today, as they're listening right now, they can just pull over their car. They can just take a moment. They can just take a, take a, a breath and say, okay, God, right now in the intimacy of this moment, I'm going to be real and I'm going to open me. So speak to me, God. You can always move forward from where you are if you acknowledge where you are. And that seems very simple. Most of us don't have a regular routine, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in terms of our leadership, relationally, all of it. 
to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be real. And then from that, I love what you just said, in order to move forward, let's just acknowledge where you're at and you can always move forward. And it's one step, one day at a time. Chase, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Again, people can find you. Where did you say? MyAnthemChurch.com. Matt, thanks so much for having me, man. Thanks once again to Chase Fendel for joining us today. All the best wishes, my friend, with Anthem Church and all the things you're doing out in California. We wish nothing but the best for you. Next week, we have a guy named Steven Ginsburg joining us who has started a recovery home out in California, helping people detox and get off of substance abuse, drugs, alcohol. What he's doing is simply incredible. I hope you can tune in and join me at 7 p.m. next Sunday night. If you've missed any past episodes, you can find them at leaderworthfollowing.com. Or if you'd like to sponsor a show, you can get information at leaderworthfollowing.com as well. Thanks for joining joining us tonight. Don't just be a leader, be a leader worth following. Thanks for listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. Produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. For more information, visit leaderworthfollowing.com. Leader Worth Following.